0: Zay. What up? The I mean, immortal words of Judy Brown. Happiness is a choice. And we're happy you're spending some time with us, us being Chip and Zay. Zay, the right call, call your. And Zay, we're That's gonna right. get my thoughts on these Texas Longhorns bass. We got a lot to talk about today. We got we got John Brown, who's gonna be joining us in like one minute, because he's got, you know, he's got stuff to do. We got Chris Hummer in the two o'clock hour. We're gonna talk about Texas Houston football. Dana Holderson says, this team is different from the one that I beat in 2018. Mm. And then I'm gonna give you my thoughts on the Longhorns basketball team, which had a scrimmage at Gregory Gym that you turned me down. I asked you out last night and you said no. Hey. Did Caden Shedrick and Dylan Dessou play? Did Caden huh? Shedrick and Dylan
1: Dessou oh. play? I told you, you were trying no. to act like I had, had my sources right. Come
0: on now! Oh, I didn't say that. I just okay. figured you'd want to come see like Max A. Smith, Theal Horton.
2: Yeah. yeah,
0: you know. i
1: I'll, 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 I'll see you at the St. Ed's game. See you there. St. Ed's, October thirtieth. That's
0: You're I'll be there. <laughs> 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 yeah. We're gonna be a great time for us to bond. And we, we bond every day. What right. is this? I mean, one, the, one to three,
1: Tuesday through Friday, three the air. to five, you know I Monday. Mean? Come air. on, come on now. You're leaving me tomorrow, even though I love working with Rodney Rodriguez, Chaos Theory. You know him and Wags do a great job. Love working with him. You're leaving me tomorrow. You left me What's last week.
0: Let's get on, to the man. man because look at this guy. Mr. Universe, two times over. Kid from Compton, survived the streets of Compton, conquered the world in (laughs) bodybuilding. You've seen pictures of this man all oiled up. You know what? Next week, JB. What's up? I'm going to have pictures of you all oiled up at your Mr. (laughs) Universe
3: peak. Ready to go.
0: When you owned all of Europe and all of bodybuilding, Mr. Oh, geez. I mean, what was, favorite, what, what was your favorite muscles of your muscle groups? What did you feel I like? My my pecs. Your your pecs? Yeah, yeah. yeah. beautiful pecs. Beautiful pecs. All right, we're gonna next week. I promise we'll have photos
3: to show everybody. But overall, I would say my in, my total symmetry. For, yeah. for, because I'm six two, so most bodybuilders are like. Average height, I would say, is five, eight. You know, wow. Yeah, they're, they're little guys. They got the little man's disease. <laughs> they got some.
0: I don't know. Because <laughs> Schwarzenegger's tall, right? two. Yeah, yeah. So you guys had that long, yeah, beautiful. It's
3: a different, different look. Yeah. yeah. Well, like I, remember, like I said, hey, if your body looks ugly before you start, and you get big muscle, you look uglier. <laughs> you know, you gotta you gotta look good from the gate. From yeah. Word say go. Then make it bigger and then it looks it looks nice. Oh yeah. yeah. Well
1: hey, how, how is a Schwarzenegger in person, you
3: know? He's a nice guy. He's uh if you don't have confidence in yourself, you, you won't like him because he's pretty uh upfront, know what he knows what he likes, what he doesn't like very witty, very quick. And like I was, I was in the gym once and they had like a little meeting. first When I first started getting into bodybuilding and I think I had won my first Mr. Universe and they had some kind of meeting because the athletes were unhappy about something. So I thought I would attend. And as we're sitting in the gym, a girl walks by and she goes, "How you doing, Arlen?" He says, "Good." And she goes, "He go She goes, "He goes." You cut your hair. She goes, "Yeah." Do you like it? He says, no, it looks terrible. <laughs> Whoops! <laughs> yeah. It just like that. The girl just kept walking. Whoops! But well, it, it didn't look good. But see, that's how he is. You know, yeah. he just what? What year was that? Dude, That was like nineteen eighty-seven or something like that. Wow! Oh man, said that. Arnold. Yes, yeah, yeah, but he, what I like about he—he's a—he's hes a—he's a, a man to me. You know, a lot of these guys—they—they—they're they're, they're males, but they're not men, in, in my opinion. You know, I don't know why they want to be something else. <laughs> if you're, <laughs> if you're <laughs> born a lion, why you want to be a cub? <laughs> like when we say a man's man. Yeah, he's a man's man.
0: Yeah,
3: and the weak guys can't handle that. So, you know, he's, uh, he, he demonstrated some things where I go, oh interesting. There was another situation where we're at the Arnold Classic, his bodybuilding show, and it was 11 o'clock at night. All the athletes, male and females, were in the auditorium. He had an emergency meeting. We're like, dude, we want to get to bed because tomorrow we have to compete. Everybody's answering their questions and stuff, and, and they, I had a problem with the stage. Because the stages are quite narrow, it was like maybe uh, five foot deep, if that. It, it was very very shallow, and you can easily fall off. If you you know, I don't want to look down as I'm posing. So, some girl raised her hand and said, "Well, I think we're all professionals here, and you know we should be able to deal with any type of condition." What? shut up, you know. <laughs> what are you talking about? So, and there was another lady running the thing, and she's like, well, let's do a vote. I go, what are you talking about a vote? So, at that moment, see, that was crazy to me. Arnold Schwarzenegger walks on stage, and he goes, what's going on? <laughs> they explained it to him, and in two seconds, he goes, if one athlete falls off the stage and gets hurt, that's one too many, fix the stage. And just walked off. Go, yeah, this this checkmate. Mm-hmm. So if you guys can deal with a small stage, you can deal with a big stage. Who cares? I was right, but I'm like, oh, man, this committee thing is killing me. Well, hell so, yeah, you're yeah. Mr. Universe. Yeah. I mean, listen to the man who is... There's a lot of dudes in that room that, were, that had titles, but it's just, I don't know. But I just like the way he handled it. He handled it real... Professional, real quick. He understood. Just, you got right is right, wrong is wrong. You don't spit in the wind, you know. Right. You don't have anybody to tell you that. You don't have to debate about whether you should spit in the wind or tug on Superman's cape. Yeah, I mean, you just don't on or, or a bulldog's chain. You don't do certain things. You don't do. Yeah, you don't do that. <laughs> no. If you're the Tampa Bay
0: Buccaneers, Uh-oh. you don't let Amon Ross St. Brown Uh-oh. tap dance all Uh-oh. over Uh-oh. your Uh-oh. He said tap dance. Feel. Make you look foolish, Uh-oh. beat your ass twenty to six mm. in a
3: battle of first mm. place teams, baby. Mm. I'm I'm How right. good are they? you know? I know. I don't know. I don't know. You know, you know the NFL, Hey, every team is ready. I don't care if they're ranked the last place team. They're all getting paid. They're all professionals. You better be ready every single game. You know, because now. guess what? remember what I said a long time ago for all you parents out there when your child become Mr. Universe or a world class athlete in whatever sport and they win guess what it gets harder because even the last place guys is hating you trying to come get you so for the Detroit Lions it gets harder and harder I hope they understand that yeah it doesn't get easier because no. everybody's coming after you now because you're winning that's why
0: like if you look at the if you look at the the records of teams after a win it's always like closer than you think mm. because it's hard to keep guys motivated it's hard week in week out even though it's only whatever 17 games but that's what i like about this team john they are what i mean the last we talked about this. The last 13 games, they're, mm-hmm. they're 16. They're like 13 and three in their last 16 games.
3: I mean, that is, that's hard to do, man. I'm just hoping they can keep, like you said, keep it together mentally. Because Dan Campbell does a great job at stressing that, but to execute is a different thing. Because everybody's trying to tackle the person running with the ball. I don't know if you were you know you're a kid. We used to play uh I forgot what it was called, but they had a football with throw it on the ground and it's like twenty kids. If you pick it up, everybody's trying to get you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you ever done that game? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, what you used used to it, so Detroit, you come into Baltimore, you got the ball. So they're trying to tackle you. Are you ready for that?
0: Yeah.
3: If they stay ready, they'll be fine. But yeah. it's, like you said, very difficult. This is, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Zay. Oh, yeah, John, you know, now the Lions,
1: number one in the NFC, tied with the 49ers and the Eagles and watching all no. those teams lose. It's just kind of like you said it. How good is this team? And I was hyping up Chip these last few days with him being the fan. Like, could we maybe see a Cowboys Lions NFC championship game? Uh. I don't know. I don't know. I know both of y'all, that's just, you know, that's why Man. I am on a here hearing that. But, it's
3: unbelievable, isn't it? I, I'm, yeah. I'm just like, I mean, I'm not a, I didn't play professional football. So, you know, when I look at the game, San Francisco looks good. Eagles look good. You know, a lot of teams look good, but the Lions look good. But what happens when they play each other? Who's going to be ready? Who's going to be up for it? Who's going to give up? Who's going to let up? Who's going to st- – oh, God. And as a team, it's, not, it's a team sport. So you need 11 guys on the same page. It's a lot, man. Yeah. It's a lot.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, so here I am. I'm at the game. I'm sitting third row right, right down there behind the Lions bench, probably about the 10-yard line. And Amon-Ra catches that pass, comes across. Craig Reynolds lights that dude up, Holy sends him God. flying. Amon-Ra scores. I couldn't quite tell that he scored from my seats because we were so low. But he scores, and then he's catching all of these third down balls. Lions are converting third and eight, third and nine, over and again. I'm like, oh, my God, how are they doing this? Well, they're doing it because Goff trusts Amon-Ra so much. Yeah. Yeah. And he throws it where he can catch it and get down on those third down. Yeah, points.
3: yeah, yeah. He's um, they have a good connection there, you know. But it, I, I don't know if it's me as his father, but it seems to me when I look at Sports Center, you know, ESPN, they always mention my son's name second or last. And I think he's one of the, one of the most important pieces on that team. Maybe, maybe the most. You know. I mean, he's converting these third downs. He's like, he's, he represented a lot of that offense. So, I, I mean, I just wish they would, you know, give him more love. Give him what he, you know, I think because he went in the fourth round, which he shouldn't have, they they rather promote the other guys, you know, in front of him. But, Jesus. 12 catches, 12 catches, 124 yards, touchdown. And everybody knows that they're going to him. Yeah, that's the thing. They know. So, so it's hard it's hard to stop so I, I don't know uh, big time. Dan, Dan Campbell said something really clever, really smart he said I, I have a lot of respect for him he said, he just I hope we don't take Amon Ra for granted because he does it day in and day out and you know, you can easily take that for granted, but he said then, I thought see, Dan Campbell, smart guy, you know yeah. smart guy, you can't take it for granted but yeah, what, a, what, a, what a great they had a lot of great players on that team, you know
1: I mean, yeah, he's a smart guy because he know he's on that rookie contract and he letting those guys up top know hey when it's time for his payday we better give him his money because he's a big part
2: of
3: this know, We we like the Lions I mean the Lions are uh, I mean so far a great organization you know I mean they haven't done everything they've done has been fantastic for us you know so uh, the game experience everything is just this, this first class it's really, really impressive Yeah, So I I wish him well, uh, but I I, I just know that it's it's not going to be easy. (laughs) It's not going to be easy. (laughs) Well,
0: John, real quick, because I know you got to go, but then they had Amon-Ra talking about flag football on Good Morning Football on the NFL Network right after flag football became an Olympic sport. And I was like, well, that's really cool. But is
3: Amon-Ra, like... And I didn't get to see... An the ambassador v- or something? Yeah, is he... I don't know what's... I mean, look. I call him up. Hey, son, how are you? Papa. Good. Uh, anything new? No. <laughs> uh, whatever I ask. You get these short... You know, you know, kids. Yeah. No. All right, just grunt. All right, I love you. All right, I love you. Uh- That's all you get out of all of them. He would never tell me if they... But I was at the owner's meeting last summer, and they were, we had like a little, I did like a seminar, and there was a girl there from, I think, France, and she played flight play football, had something to do with it. And she said, yeah, it was good, That because Amon Ra was, uh, I don't know if she used the word ambassador, but something she said, I go, what? She goes, yeah, because he speaks different languages. Oh. And he can, he can uh, you know, he said, so we asked him, hey, can you say it in German? Can you say it in French? Can you say it in English? They did it so they're, they're taking advantage of that or something. I don't know. I mean,
2: yeah,
0: no, that makes what, sense. What, what,
3: what a fantastic thing to get that in the Olympics, man. I tell you, Roger Cadell Roger could be a genius, you know, because, I mean, what he's doing is amazing to the sport. Phenomenal. That's a big chess move he just made. Yeah, yeah, brings attention to the sport, gets everybody fired up. I, I, my prediction would be girls' flag football will be much bigger than men's. Yeah, I think because they've been I was shut out of football for hundreds of years, and now they're like, "Hey, some of those girls can play, man." Yeah, I mean, they, I'm not saying they can play with men, but I'm saying amongst themselves. I went to a practice at a high school because a friend of mine was a coach. I go, let me see what they're doing. I was surprised. I saw one girl stick her foot in the ground, was running around. So I go, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, come here!" where'd you learn that at? My dad and my brother plays football. They taught me. I go, okay. <laughs> and another girl can like, catch really good. I'm like, and another girl throwing the ball real good, not like a girl. And I go, are you a softball player? She goes, yeah. Uh, wow. So yes, yeah. me, Roger Goodell, man, that dude could be a genius, I'm telling you. Um, what did, real quick, what did Miriam say when she got back from the trip? She goes, yeah, it was good. She doesn't see you know, she's German, so she doesn't talk much. Her personality is not like ours, right? And I go, well, what did people say? It was fun. There was a lot of Lion fans there. Uh, I'm just trying to, you know, drag. She's just like my kid. I'm trying to drag information out of her. But it's, it's very difficult. Wow. <laughs> you ask me, I'm, I got the whole story. I'm animated. I'm demonstrating. Yeah. But she's like, yeah. I go, was, was there a lot of 14 jersey? Yeah. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, there were. But man, you got right, to go to that game and he scored right in front of you. Oh, wow.
0: oh, so great! It was so great. And
3: uh, and no one's going to the Ravens, right? Well, you know,
4: are you going? Is you an going? Injury.
3: And I think I got to look at my schedule, but I think that week, which is no, not 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 Ravens, but I'm thinking about going to the next game, which is home against the, the Raiders, I
0: Yeah, they play the Raiders. I
3: think that that's a Monday night game, if I'm not mistaken. And Equinemius is playing on Sunday, the Chargers. Uh, But right here in in my backyard. But if he doesn't play, because he's, I know he's not because he's injured, I may get on a plane and jump over there to Detroit to watch the Raiders. Love it. Nice. Love it. Well, JB, I know you got to run, but
0: man, we love it. Man, that,
3: one,
0: that was on, Let's
3: see, let's see, let's see what they do, man. Let's go. What do you think about the game? What's your prediction this weekend? I think it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be a field goal either way,
0: because the Ravens, but they they're not running it real well. No, you know, and we don't know what's going on with David Montgomery.
3: And Jameer Gibbs. Well, oh even man. if those guys are not playing, Craig Reynolds can. They got a lot. Yeah, they got Greg Reynolds tough. Yeah, they got Where yeah. When they find that dude, at? Man. dude that man, that dude was Kutztown. like that two years ago. He was doing that. Kutztown oh. State. He's man. always been like that. <laughs> I mean, you know, some guys just don't get shine, but they got mm-hmm. a lot of they got a lot of running backs over there. I, I my prediction would be got what I said last week, but I, I was right that, that we would win. Yeah. I think we'll win this game by we'll win by ten points. Woo! Man, that's a statement. That would we'll be a
0: statement win because that division, a lot of people pick the Ravens to win that division.
3: I mean, we got a lot of good players on that team. Yeah. You know, so defense is getting better. So I predict we can win by ten points. Let's go. Let's go. Let's see. We'll see next week. <laughs> Let's go. All right, we'll, all right, baby. We'll talk next week. All right, you got it. Thanks, right, John. Appreciate you, man.
0: John Brown, Mr. Universe, father of Amon Ross St. Brown, Equinemius St. Brown. Oh, man. i good I'm stuff, as always, man. I'm just along for the rides, eh? Oh, yeah. That's all you can be. It's all
1: That's you all can you can be, be with that guy, that dude. Just the knowledge and wisdom. Oh, and he's hilarious too. Like, <laughs> he talks about Arnold Schwarzenegger being witty. That dude throws us some coaching just sayings and one-liners where you're like, man, we'll spit in the wind. I haven't heard that in a minute. <laughs> I haven't heard that one in a minute. Like,
0: in a minute.
1: Yo, John Brown, I,
0: I love having them on every week. That's great stuff. Oh, man. All right. Um, we will talk to Chris Hummer coming up in the two o'clock hours. We get our, our college football fix. We go across the nation with Hummer. But Zay, where do you want to go first? You want to go Texas football? You want to go Texas basketball? Uh, let's go Texas football. We'll get the basketball. Texas football. Yeah. So here's my, here's my quick thoughts. While my biggest concerns about Texas going into the second half of the season, it's probably a the health of these players, B, the Red Zone offense, getting more touchdowns. The Houston defense is not good. The Houston defense is not good. Um, let me give you a quick little uh, nugget to chew on. Houston is giving up 162 yards per game rushing and almost 4.4 yards per carry. Ooh, come on down, Jonathan Brooks, yeah. who is, you know, he's from Hallettsville and he's going to have family at the game this is this is going to be this should be of 50 50 carries by Texas in the running game and 25 carries for Jonathan Brooks wow maybe it's maybe it's out of hand and it's a game where C.J. Baxter's getting getting love, but this is a game where you just pound the rock because Houston, as well as they were recruiting under Tom Herman, like they had Ed Oliver, they had some dudes on the defensive line. Dana's not, he's not getting those guys right now, and so they're vulnerable, and this is a game where don't overthink it, like pound the rock. And I, I, you know, I get it. Everyone's like, "Whoa, what's the condition of the offensive line? What's happening?" And you know, it it could be a it could be another Connor Robertson game um, if if they don't feel like you know Cole Hudson is quite ready yet because it looked like he was going to be good to go um, and he may still be, but. You still got to run that rock. And plus, every offensive lineman wants to fire off and hit somebody. They don't want to stand up and backpedal. I mean, Zay, you're 6'4, 220. You want to fire no. off. <laughs> was that your playing weight?
1: Yeah, I was definitely playing weight. I. Add maybe almost 80 pounds to that. That's what we're riding with now. I ain't that big, but I'm pretty damn close. (laughs) Yeah, man.
0: Okay, you're 6'4", 260.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll take that. Give me that.
0: You want to fire off and hit somebody. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to be dancing and, you know, pass blocking. No. Although you can do that because you got skills. Do you think Sark would do that? I mean, I think he would. He'll run the run.
1: Yeah, I think it's just a pick-your-poison type of thing. I mean, Houston's secondary, they're giving, what, 8.1 yards a game, too. And through the air, they're one of the worst. Secondaries in the league, just kind of ranked in a lot of 90s and around the 100s area in the nation. And remember, people, there's only 133 teams, so you do the math there on how good Houston's secondary is. So, yeah, I think the offense shouldn't have a problem. And if they do, then we have a problem because that's not good if you want to be the Big 12 champs and maybe get to a CFP. you got to be able to move the ball against these teams that ain't worth nothing, especially defensively. Now, Houston's offense they might be able to put up some points against this Texas defense, especially if Ryan Watts is out. But yeah, I wouldn't mind it being a Jonathan Brooks game. Not at all. But I think that you should be able to find what you want regardless. Hopefully that, you know, if JT Sanders isn't available, fine. Get Gunnar Helm involved. That dude could be a huge asset to this team's success, especially moving forward, and it could start in this game. But you mentioned Connor Robinson. This might be another time for the third string. Center to get some run, and I wouldn't want it more of a team like this. I want I want Connor Robinson playing against a Houston to get some confidence to where down the line, if they do need him, he has the reps. And I think Houston's front line, even though they got Caesar, who will probably get drafted. Uh, other than that, they don't got the guys that should stick up to the Longhorns. So, but here's yeah, my thing. You here's
0: my thing. point. You don't want to give Donovan Smith and these talented receivers. They got talented receivers. Yeah. You don't want to give these guys a chance to get hot. So keep them off the field by running it, grinding it, running clock. I agree with you. They should be able to get whatever they want. Houston's pass defense isn't... It's the worst. It's the worst in the league. Um, they're giving up Yards for free. I mean, but I'm just saying run the rock, eat the clock. I liked I like what they did against Baylor. I want the Baylor game plan. Yeah. But like is that again, what we've been talking about
1: this week, you gotta have these convincing wins. Now That could be very arrogant for Sark's play calling down the line because he knows, hey, with how much parity is in college football, we got to leave no doubt. So let's run it up on the ass. Run it up. We throw the ball. Quinn going for 400. Quinn going for five touchdowns. We trying to pull up 50. You saying this is the Ryan Wingo game? I'm just saying we yeah, Ryan, we go gay. Come on down, dog. You see how we playing out here. We can't, you know, we don't want to run the ball and milk the clock and have no grimy win. No, we gotta make it fun so the committee can see, oh man, they handling their business and they look good doing it. So that's that's gonna be an interesting balance there, cause I i I feel what you're saying. I hear you. Like at the end of the day, a dub's a dub. But against Houston, that thing better look good because if you want to set out like losing to Oklahoma, that sets you back. So now you have to overcompensate for that. You're going to have to do some things to get that uh, energy and respect back that you lost at the Red River shootout. So how do you do that? You put up mad points on the Houston Cougars, which... It's basically going to be a home game for the Longhorns anyway. You're going to get that Dallas Cowboys like feel when they go on the road because it's sold out, and I'm gonna, I expect to see a lot of burnt orange in third ward this Saturday. But yeah, man, I I want them to put up points, and if Jonathan Brooks needs to have a 200 yard game and maybe four touchdowns while doing it, and you can run it up that way, that's fine. But Yeah, you got to win these games convincingly because when the end of the season comes around and hopefully you're in the Big 12 championship and stuff, like you said yesterday, you need Oklahoma to be winning games too so they could be a top five team so that could look good. Like, you just don't want to leave any doubt for the committee to say, nah, they beat Houston by 15 and it was a struggle. And, like, that that, that ain't going to look good. That ain't going to look good, especially if Houston doesn't make a bowl game which they could but still like there there's a lot that goes into this game that we got to look at you know okay so here's
0: i was uh okay i got i got two thoughts for you this this okay so this needs to be the first game of the year where Texas hits 50 yeah this needs to be the first game where Texas hits 50 cuz Texas Tech scored 49 on these fools see Texas Tech scored 49 on these Fools, and, like, they had two 100-yard rushers. They had Taj Brooks go for uh, 100 yards. They had Cameron Valdez go for 100 yards. Three touchdowns on the ground. They ran it 37 times, and they scored 49 points. And I misspoke. I don't need the Baylor game. I need the Kansas game. Kansas is when Texas ran it 51 times. Brooks had 21 carries for 200 yards, and they almost got to 50 against KU. They need to get to 50 in this game. Yeah,
1: Yeah, 50. 50. 50. We need that. Put it on them. I'm telling you, I, I need people to question Sark and his heart. I like I'm going to be saying that all week. I need folks to be like, damn, Sark looking like a real asshole right now. He looking like he, this dude, Sark, running it up. Like, Why are they still throwing that type of stuff? I need whoever's commentating the game, broadcasting it. I want it to be said, damn, man, they still putting it on them. Texas ain't slowing down. This fourth quarter, they still throwing the football. They still trying to get these yards. Guys still making plays. Like, you know, I, I need that. Even Dana, yeah.
0: even Dana, even Dana said, I don't want to know what kind of mood they're in after that loss to Oklahoma. Should be pissed off right now. You should be real pissed off. Like you should be very
1: upset. Like practice should have been hell well, a couple of weeks ago. I know they were trying to rest guys and save guys' legs and stuff. Yeah, whoever was
0: healthy needed to be banging the crap out of each other.
1: Yeah yeah exactly you're we're back in the lab like ain't much laughing you know ain't much joking around you still want to be upbeat you still want to be positive yes but yeah yeah you got to be careful like this this is one of those times where i love what quinn you were said just they've centered their focus recentered their focus excuse me on the task at hand like man We got a wake-up call. Now we know what we have to do because our goals are still in front of us. And it starts this week with the Cougars, man, who's – you said it. Donovan Smith, that dude been balling. Like, that dude's been balling. And Dana Ogerson, his first year there, that dude basically gave him the ball, the playbook, was like, yo, this is your team because – He does everything for them, leading the team and rushing by, like, over 20 carries. That's insane to me. That's nuts. And then they're 22nd in the nation when it comes to pass attempts, so they're throwing that ball like crazy. And this secondary, they got their work cut out for them because, like I said earlier, if you're going to be without Ryan Watts, then – That's still going to hurt a little bit. I know Oklahoma is different than Houston, but Houston's wide receivers, they ain't no punks. You know, there are no scrubs out there. I like what all those guys could do. Brown, I like... um, Man, Jack, and then Golden, that dude can take it to the house at any moment, especially on special teams, so they're pretty confident right now, and we've seen Texas this year get kind of gutted on and Duck stuff, just those quick comeback routes, just short yardage things to where if they could control the clock, Houston would love to do that to prevent Quinn Ewers from getting on the field, so... Those corners who struggled a little bit against Oklahoma, they need a bounce back game, and I'm talking about Malik Muhammad. I'm talking about Terrence Brooks. You know, I'm talking about Gavin Holmes. All those guys. I I need a pick from one of them. That be I. They haven't had a pick all season. I need a pick from one of them, and that's going to be tough to do. You got Donovan Smith. He's rolling right now. Last 16 passes in that West Virginia game were all completions, so he's feeling very confident, but. This team, the talent, hopefully the defensive line can get to them and muck stuff up so you can have those opportunities to make plays in the backfield.
0: All right, they got to score 50. Yeah. They got to score 50. Because this is the worst defense they're going to see the rest of the season.
1: Damn, really? Ain't that bad?
0: Oh, yeah. This is the worst. This is the worst defense Texas is going to see the, the rest of the season. So this this needs to be a leave no doubt romper room special, as our man uh, Lee Sterling likes to say, because every defense that Texas face the rest of the way is going to be better than this one. So leave no doubt, as my man Adams used to say. And I like it. No tears. No tears, Sark. Yeah. It's not your job to stop your own team. It's their job. So put it to them. Yeah.
1: It's not like you're going to see Houston anytime soon after this. Never again. Never again, probably. At least Never in again. our lifetime. So, hey, what do you got to lose? Oh, they're going to be pissed off next time around. When is that? You'll probably be dead, Sark. You know what I'm saying? so, yeah, man, we blowing these dudes out on they field, you know? Like, you want those dudes at Houston to be thinking about a cheap shot. That's how, that's how foul you playing. That's how much you running it up. Like, man, I got to do something dirty just because I'm pissed off with them scoring all the time. Like, obviously, you want everybody to be safe out there, but you want that to be in those Cougars' minds. Like, man, we desperate right now. We need to do something to stop them. Anything Like, try try to get a helmet-to-helmet, something to show any type of fight. Like, you want it to look that bad. And this team is capable, but we've just seen, you know, against Rice and Wyoming, sometimes it takes them a little longer to get going. And hopefully we don't see that in H-Town on Saturday.
2: Yeah.
0: That's what I'm talking about. All right. Before we uh, we get to my man, Hummer. Big, I mean, I go to the Gregory gym last night. Zay turned me down. Oh I'm like, God. Mr. Basketball. Mr. Basketball. <laughs> Zay Collier, his dad, 33-year head coach at Bowie High School, had Rodney Terry on his staff. Zay's dad had Rodney Terry on his coaching staff and my man Zay yeah. he came out to Gregory Jim to see his old friend, Uncle Rodney. <laughs> Isn't that what you called him? No, I don't call him no uncle. I think he's a cousin. Cousin?
1: Cousin yeah.
0: Rodney? Kinfolk. Yeah. kinfolk <laughs> can't make it out to Gregory Jim. Where do you live? Do you live in Except I will live too far. Right. Yeah. Gregory Jim, intimate setting. Yeah. And Zay's like, no, no, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good, man. What do you have last Yo, night? Do you have a little date night or something? I, I'll, I'll, I'm good with that. Yeah, yeah spend quality
1: time with Wifey. No date night, but, you know, call up on the uh, Golden Bachelor and stuff like that. Just. Just great time. My man. great time. Stuff that we need. Stuff that we need in life. You know, my man. people. Like Is you. Doing and Bachelor I. on Tuesday nights? No, no, no. We call up on it on Hulu. We're caught oh. up on it. Oh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, dude.
0: That's good TV. Don't sleep on that. that that's a good TV. That dude, he's living. So mm. I'm thinking Zay and I are gonna just we're gonna sit and chat, talk, oh just kind of <laughs> get into it, chop it up, just hanging out, the fellas. (laughs) I'm sitting there all by myself making my own conclusions and I'm ready to give you some conclusions. You ready? Let's get it. If my man Zedric Anima is in the game, teams are going to hack on Anima. He can't make free throws? He can't. Oh, no, brother. Oh, he was one of four from the line, and the balls were going everywhere.
1: Oh, damn. And And Gregory, too? Because that's good depth perception. And Gregory, like, the shooting, that should be knocked down. It's kind of very intimate, you know? It's not like the wide-open spaces that you get at some of these arenas. That is not good. That's That's not not, good.
0: That's not good. He's a career 55% free throw shooter.
1: Oh, devil nickel. So, Man,
0: that's not where you want the double nickel on your free throw percent. If, if he's in a game late, it's hacking on you, yeah. strategy. Okay, so that's 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 a little nugget. Just file that one away. Okay, it was not a great shooting night last night. Like, Acemas was off. <laughs> Theo Horton looked like he, he was way off. And he got... He got stripped by um well, he got stripped mid court. I can't remember exactly who it was. And he kind of was like, Ugh. like he let his one play bother him to the next.
2: Right. He was a fifth,
0: sixth year guy. Like he played yeah. at pit, he played at Central Florida. So I know everyone, I mean Rodney Terry after the scrimmage was like, This guy is an elite shooter. He's hit eight and nine threes in a game. I mean, talking about him like he's Sir Jabari Rice, he ain't no Sir Jabari Rice. So I'm just saying I'm eager to see how these guys get into a flow with each other. You got Kendall Weaver, the transfer from UT Arlington. You got Max A. Smith. And, you know, obviously Tyrese Hunter and love Hunter a little worried about the on, on the ball defense at the guard position and yes as Zay told us yesterday Dylan DeZue is still out with that foot injury and may not be back until December oh no that's not good wow I'm like what happened here like couldn't we get this yeah. fixed
1: He's always had foot problems, man. That's just always had leg problems going back to Vanderbilt where he tore his ACL. And, yeah, that's
0: unfortunate. Because he's, I mean, he, there was no hotter player in college basketball the last five games of the season. He averaged and half points and 10 rebounds in the NCAA tournament. He won the Penn State game for Texas. Everyone else was starting to get a little tight, and all of a sudden, like in the huddle, they said, okay, Marcus, we're running this play. And Marcus said, run it for Dylan. He's red hot, let's get him the ball. And Dylan DeZue hit shots down the stretch, and the dude was a gangsta. He was great in the Big 12 tournament. He was great in the NCAA tournament, and then the the foot injury against Xavier, they beat Xavier. Which, you know, but they needed him desperately against the Miami Hurricanes yeah. because Miami had all that size inside and Texas was just like a bunch of mighty mites out there trying to fend off the Canes, but they still had a twelve point lead with thirteen minutes to play. Anyway, so the other guy, Caden Shedrick, is close. Now he had he had cleanup surgery on both shoulders. After he got here from Virginia, and he's just about ready to go, and that dude's a rim protector. He's, you know, he wants a little bit more offensive freedom after playing in Tony Bennett's totally defensive-minded system. Have you seen Shedrick? What do you what do you think of Shedrick? Say,
1: um, I think yeah. he's so. Still- I think defensively is way ahead of his offense. But, again, you just said it. Like, Tony Bennett, he didn't really get to showcase his offense. So what can he really do? You know, I think he could step out and hit the 15-footer. I don't know about his three-ball yet, but back to the basket, he's all right. He just needs to be put in a different system to where he could get more opportunities to score. But defensively, he's going to be a force. You know, he's going to change shots. He's going to, you know – Throw great outlet passes on defensive rebounds. Like he's gonna be a force defensively to where you just talked about worried about the on ball defense. If someone were to get beat, he'll clean that up, whether it's just a good contest or even a block shot. So yeah, I think that, you know, obviously it might take him a little bit to get his feet wet again coming off of these surgeries and stuff. But, you know, if you're gonna be without Dylan DeSue for a month or so, then I'm good with Dylan Mitchell playing your four, and then you got, you know, Ethio Horan, Max Acemus, Tyrese Hunter, like, they still got guys, it's just, yeah, man, Dylan soon. that's a big loss, because that dude, when he's healthy and when he's going, he's one of the best big men in the nation, and that little push shot floater that he has, oh my gosh, immaculate, like, that thing is absolutely money, I know that he works with our guy from BTY, Zachary Bandis on that, his trainer, you know, which Zach's the best trainer in Austin, maybe Texas. And I might be a little biased because he was my former Bowie teammate. No, I've known Zach for a long time, and I know his basketball mind. So, yeah, working out with guys like him, that's just made Dylan DeSue an even better player. So, yeah, that, it's going to hurt missing him. But, you know, if once he gets back, if this team could figure some things out, then – they have a lot of potential to do some serious damage. And playing right. in the orange and white game is tough, Chip. It, it's yeah, tough. No, yeah, it's, playing, garbage. That, it's garbage. That horrible. That's horrible. It's garbage. That, they know exactly what you're going to run. You see these guys every day. They no, know exactly garbage. what you do, what you like, what you don't like. Like that. Yeah, man. No. Like, it, it's brutal.
0: It's no, brutal. I, my, That's my. my I didn't you, go. These observations are based on, like, Onyema shooting free throws. That's something that we got to watch. Whew. Okay. Um, But here's my big takeaway. See, I built up from smallest to biggest. Dylan Mitchell. This dude needs to take off. So he, you know, he comes into a team of veterans. He's the number five player in the country, according to the 24 7 sports composite ranking. When he comes in as a freshman, he comes into a team of veterans who know. The college game inside and out, Christian Bishop, you know, hell, DeZoo, and then all, you know, Marcus Carr, Serge Barry, Rice, Timmy Allen. And so he's like head spinning a little bit. Where do I fit in? And and that's fine. He started every game, started all 38 games. And he averaged 4.3 points, 3.9 rebounds in 17 and a half minutes per game. Now it's time. Now it's time. Because he goes to the pre-draft combine and hits, what he hit, 25 threes out of 30? Yeah, he did well. In the shoot shooting rack? Yeah. So we, and he didn't attempt a single three last year because he was a, he stayed in his lane. He wasn't, he wasn't making it about him. Okay. Now we need to see. His mid range game. We need to see his full court game because I'm looking at this team. I know Max Asemus averaged 20 something points. He's in a different environment. It may take him a minute. You know, Kendall Weaver played at UTA, freshman of the year in the, in the whatever it was, the WAC or American or wherever they play. He needs, he's going to need time. Dylan has been in the big time. He went to the Elite Eight. And he's a good player. And he hit this turnaround jumper, fade away on the baseline, 14 feet. Beautiful. Like you can tell his confidence is up. And after the scrimmage, I'm, you know, asking RT, I'm like, okay, you know, what, what's Dylan Mitchell's ceiling? Is it Timmy Allen? Can he be Timmy Allen? And he's like, well, we need him to. Play defense and rebound and play with a high motor, which I get that. If you make that your, your staple, if that make if that's your signature, your calling card, that travels, that plays every night. The shots will be there some nights, maybe not others. But I need Dylan Mitchell to look for his shot because this guy can shoot just like Dylan dazoo could shoot. And we never really got to see it mm-hmm. because Chris Beard had him stowed down on the baseline, but Dylan DeZo was a guard who grew late. Yeah. You know? And and then all of a sudden we're watching Dylan DeZo hit threes in the postseason and everyone's like, oh my God, where's this guy been? No, he's been there. He just didn't get the green light. I don't want I don't want Dylan Mitchell to get, you know, pushed into a a box where Oh, we just need your motor. We need your defense. We need your rebounding. And I get if you're not going to have Dazoo and Shedrick at the very beginning of the season, you need Dylan Mitchell, who's got great bounce and shot block ability, and Anyuma to be your front court guys until the big guys get back on the floor. But I'm just saying, Zay, I want it on the record. Put a post it note on it today, October 18th. I need Dylan Mitchell. You know, to get the green light and yeah. build his confidence. Because I think he can be a big-time player. Yeah. I mean, I think he can go to – I think he can average 12, 12-6, 12-7. Oh, my yeah. God. Am I getting near Zay numbers? Yo, man, if you get him around Zay numbers
1: senior year, then – Okay, so 10-5. and five. 10 and 5 this year? No, no, I need Dylan Mitchell at if Texas wants to make it to a final four, I need Dylan Mitchell around 14 and 7. Okay. There we go. I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need around that. That's that's Zay at his prime. Yeah. That was Zay his senior year at Bowie. Yeah, man. I had a little fadeaway to my game. Didn't shoot it much because, you know, CeCe didn't have that shit. But, you know, I had a little of my game. Just let me loose, CC. Let me loose. Come on, man. He didn't want you <laughs> shooting a fadeaway because he wanted you taking that big body to the rack? Yeah, uh, yeah. He wanted other things. He wanted to make sure everybody else got involved and our big four-star player got and his... John Brown would be pissed right now. Right, right. John Brown would be oh, like, man. if Zay's hot, you feed Zay. I, well, he did that. I'll give him that. He did that. I had my games where I hit a few shots, and I got the rock more, and got you know my name called a little bit. But yeah, man, should have happened, Mo. Should have happened, Mo.
0: <laughs> I need you to step up in that huddle and say, "Hey, pops, you see who's filling it up right now? You yeah. see who's playing some string music? See, see, that's how I know
1: you ain't no coach's son because you got to go home with him." Most likely you're riding with him back home before, I mean, I had my car my senior year, so I drove back home. But damn, you still got to see him at the house. Yeah, it still pops. And you got that respect there, man. That dude would have knocked me back to next week or something. Like I said something crazy. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on Dylan Mitchell, man. He had so much hype coming in as a top five player in high school. And he just hasn't found his game yet on the collegiate level you know like is he a power forward he's not big enough to be the traditional power forward but his shot his ball handling hasn't been good enough to be a small forward a three you know a wing. so that's where he really struggled last year and then just knowing the college game there were a few times and then this is where coach terry comes in when he talks about rebounding it defensively Dylan Mitchell's way too athletic to have the defensive year that he had his freshman year. He could be defensive player of the year in the Big Twelve if he really wanted to. Like Tony he's Allen. that athletic, he's that long and lean, and just he has all the tools and the intangibles to be an elite defender. So if he focuses on that, yo, that gets you to the league too. Oh, Tony Allen, they need like yeah, Tony, like you know what I'm saying, like Timmy Allen. But Timmy Allen doesn't have the athleticism that Dylan Mitchell has. Like oh, Tony Allen, who played at Oklahoma State.
0: Oh, Tony Allen, yes, yes. Oh, he did. Oh my God, that dude was filthy, and he made them. They were a Final Four team. Yeah, don't and he ask played Kevin. At Memphis forever.
1: Yeah, yeah because he was ask- a defender. You're right. Yeah. Memphis, he won that ring with Boston. Doc would throw him in there every once in a while. I remember him guarding Kobe a little bit in the 08 finals. Yes. Tony Allen, you're absolutely right. Elite defender. And yeah, ask Kevin Durant, who the top five defenders that ever guarded him are. And he says Tony Allen. So yeah, you can find your niche that way. And if you, if he can hit some shots, you know, I don't want him taking J.J. Reddick number of threes. But if right. he can take the open ones where he knows it's a sweet spot, maybe a corner shot or a wing shot that's within the offense, then that always helps, too. But, yeah, man, that dude, if he can develop an offensive game like the whole summer, I felt like he should have been working on his handle because... In the long run, if Dylan DeSue gets healthy and you look at Shedrick, and that's this is what makes Texas pretty dangerous because they have the ability to play multiple types of game, or multiple type of game. They can play a big lineup with Shedrick and DeSue playing the four and five, and maybe Dylan Mitchell playing the three, along with maybe Horton or Acemas or Hunter, et cetera, all the guards they have. Or they could play small and have Dylan Mitchell be your four DeSue and Shedrick be your five which they're probably going to have to do with uh, Dylan su being out Shedrick being your five and then Horton and then you know Acemas and Tyrese Hunter those guys could be your wings and guards and stuff so if they could figure all that stuff out and it's going to take some time like it always does with all these transfer guys coming in as you mentioned Max Acemas coming from a G5 program now you're playing power six ball like hey it's a difference even though you or average attorney a game, it's going to be a difference, and he's not going to be a traditional point guard because Tyrese Hunter is going to be his backmate, so he won't have the ball in his hands. <laughs> I hope Max Aceman's got used to playing a lot of off ball in practice, coming off screens, down screens, curling. He's really good at floaters and shooting off the dribbles, so it shouldn't be an issue long run, but yeah, you know, it's something that you're going to have to look at and their schedule is pretty favorable for Texas, so they should be able to work out some kinks in the, you know, preseason before the actual conference play starts. Well,
0: here's my, here's the thing that I just, again, super hyper aware was Ace didn't get like there were times he was wide open and guys didn't pass him the ball like i'm worried he's a little bit of a ball stopper now let's see how it goes let's see how it go let's see if yeah. he's able to find his teammates create to set up for his teammates cuz that could be a problem if if he's you know if he's so used to being the guy and they got they they got guys inside eventually that's that's what's tricky about this season you're not going to get a full picture of this team until what december yeah which is fine conference season all that you're going to play some decent non-conference games um early on but i just want to see how they share the ball cuz last year what was so impressive about Marcus Carr after Being a little bit of a ball stopper, he shared the ball. Yeah. And he scored more. Like, everything got better. And, you know, they moved the ball really well last year. Serge Barry rice amazing, created to, to, you know, basically set up teammates. And and so let's see. Let's see how that goes. And the young players look good. You know, let's see how. Let's see, you know Chris Johnson and Pryor. Let's see how they develop. Obviously, you got a pretty veteran team. I mean, your your starting lineup is going to be Max Smith, Tyrese Hunter, and Dylan Mitchell. And then you play Dizou and Shedrick together. I would let DeZu, I would yeah let Dizou be the four and give him let him get some range and let Shedrick be the the big guy down low. You know. Yeah, yeah. you could even throw Brock Cunningham in at
1: times. Dylan yeah, you know, DeSue being out, I'd start Brock. Yeah. He's been here long enough. You know you're going to get the effort. And I think Brock's shooting just gets better and better each year. So yeah. if he can continue to knock down that spot-up three when it comes his way, look out. And going back to your Max Smith statement on maybe being a ball stopper, one of the greatest scorers of all time, James Harden, struggles playing off the ball. I've watched him these last few years in Philadelphia and Brooklyn and stuff where he's had to play with Kevin Durant and Kyrie and now Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid. It's difficult for guys that are used to the ball in their hand for so long. And Ace Miss, who ain't even close to the type of player James Harden is, even though he's good, but James Harden, that dude's a future Hall of Famer, one of the best scorers of all time. It's hard to make that adjustment. Especially coming into a new offense and stuff and you wanna make everyone happy, but you also wanna play your game too. So trying to balance that, Max Aismus is gonna to have to figure that out and, you know, plan off closeouts. Like that's what Marcus Carr did terrifically last year just once he caught the ball somebody was charging at him oh you're coming at me to the left side okay i'm gonna go to the right oh you're coming at me from the right side okay i'm gonna go to the left and shoot like a one dribble two dribble pull up maybe a step back but it was within the offense it wasn't dribble 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 between the legs i'm trying to cross you and one mixtape type shit it wasn't that like it wasn't that which, what we kind of saw Marcus Carr during his Minnesota days. So adapting—that's a very difficult thing to do for certain guys, and even the best of players. So uh, Max Aseman, I think he'll figure it out. But it's also Tyrese Hunter. It took him a while to figure out what Marcus Carr liked to do, and you know, not have that ball because that's what he had in Ames his first year, uh, you know, as a freshman. So he kind of had that struggle when he came to the 40 acres of, okay, the ball's not in my hands. How do I get in a rhythm if I'm not touching it that much? And Tyrese Hunter's is going to have to realize, hey – I'm going to have to get Max involved. And you would see it last season when Tyrese Hunter was in the slump, they would go to him for the very first play of the game. Like the first play of the game would be a play for Tyrese Hunter to maybe get an ISO on the baseline or have them coming off a screen where he could shoot the shot or something like that. So, yeah, I think Max Acemiss, I think he'll be fine. And, yes, there's going to be, you know, some type of,
0: just
1: figuring things out. Yeah, situation that he's going to have to go through, but you know, when you have bigs like Texas does and just all the talent that they have all around, Max Smith should be open a lot more than he's ever have been because he won't be that main focus from game to game where coaches are
0: getting ready for you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean this is, you know, I like, I like RT's staff. He's got he's got Frank Hayes, you know, former head coach um you know I like the staff this is this is going to be an added challenge for sure with the with the big guys, you know, being limited. I mean, Shedrick's close, so he may be good to go, but when RT said you know the Dizu could be out November into December. Damn. Ugh, that just made me sad for yeah. Dylan DeZoo because guys work so hard and he's such a good guy, he's such a good player and he finally got his stage and he dominated and then dude lands awkward and he's out. Yes. Alright. Zay? We're kind of on a. Uh, well, I don't know. Should l- let's let's give a little love. Let's give a little love. I, I was talking today, you know, to uh, my man Brian Spielis, who works with Doctor Eckert, Doctor U Austin's dentist. And listen, Doctor Eckert, he's he's for me. Zay, I've never had it. I've never had a cavity. My mom. God rest her soul, was a dental hygienist. And she was on me about flossing and brushing. And so, you know, I guess Bucky's got some jacked up choppers. And Dr. Eckert just made him into a model. Like that smile now. (laughs) Bucky, that smile, he said, took two days, baby. So look, Dr. Eckert can take care of you, whether it's a cleaning... Or if you need like some major, you know, cosmetic dentistry, he's got you covered. Just go to Dr. U E C K E R T dot com to, you know, set up an appointment. And Dr. Eckert is the one who's got the brain vault mouth guard, you know, patented, proven to reduce the effects of concussion. And I think we're getting fitted for a brain vault mouth guard, Zay. Okay, Let's go. Let's go, man. I'm with that. Next time you go play some pickup ball over at Gregory Gym. Oh, yeah. You put that brain vault mouth guard in. Oh, yeah.
1: It. Yeah, so, man, because I'm Asian dudes, man. They be throwing elbows and stuff. You got to watch them. You got to watch yeah. them. The the aging guys or the Asian? Yo, Asian dudes. They're, yo, Asian dudes. They can, yo, there's some dudes out there that are cold. At Gregory, like, yo, where y'all been watching some serious hoops or I don't know what y'all doing, but, yeah, they play a good brand of basketball, too. Don't sleep on them. But, yeah, I sleep s- on them. some of my best games came from giving those Asians, like, 50. <laughs> Gregory. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, listen, if you're an athlete or you've got young athletes or a cheerleader, I mean, the Texas cheerleaders are going to be wearing Brain Vault mouth guards. So just go to brainvault.com and get that fitting set up. And, uh, and yeah. And listen, make sure you're getting out. I know I was eating a little salmon here at the beginning of the show, but the best salmon is at Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. The best seafood is at Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. In fact, my lunch today was inspired. Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. All night happy hour on Monday nights. So make sure that's where you're going to hang out to watch Monday night football, a little date night, take, take a date, enjoy the incredible food. All night happy hour, $5 off appetizers on Monday nights. Happy hour from 3.30 to 6.30 every night, but all night happy hour on Monday nights, Salt Traders Coastal Cooking, locations in Austin and Round Rock. And... You know, of course my man, Tom McKay and Audiovisual Consultations. You know Tom McKay was a bodybuilder, Zay. For real? Yep. He was wow. a He was a bodybuilder back in the day. Now he says he's five two on that commercial. He bigger than that. I give Tom like 5'6 five, 5'6 six. Five, six? Okay.
1: Yeah, I give him a five six.
0: Yeah, so he you know, I know some I know some people who know Tom McKay, who've known him forever, and they're like, dude, he used to be a big-time bodybuilder. Wow. So maybe uh, maybe we should send him some cane protein, you know, from our man John Brown. There we go. See if he's still yoked. But, uh, but I do know this about Tom McKay. He's the man when it comes to audio-visual. Whether you need the big-screen TV, surround sound, new lighting, electronic shades, surveillance, All you have to do is make one call, 255-8678, and Tom and his crew will bring everything to you. Don't go overpaying somewhere else. Just make that phone call, 255-8678, and let Tom and his crew bring everything to you. All right, Zay, this is a big college football weekend. We got Penn State, Ohio State. Penn State going to Ohio State. You have a gut feeling on this one? Because Texas fans should care. Yeah,
1: um... I don't, man. I think both teams are still a little unproven. I mean, we've seen Notre Dame in that Ohio State game where Ohio State barely squeaked it out at South Bend. How good is Notre Dame even though they beat USC? They lost I mean. to Louisville and stuff. Like, that's that's what's weird. A lot of these teams have beaten one another, and it's just – I don't know how to look at this one. And James Franklin, who I love, like that dude, you saw him fire up. The guy who asked him about throwing the ball down the field like, you've been in those rooms with the coaches every single week, like that dude got fried, and James Franklin was like, I don't know what you mean, like, what I'm are you, you talking my about? Skin crawl. You're making my skin crawl, like, what are you talking about? Just completely
0: obliterated to do it. <laughs> I knew what the, the reporter was trying to get it, like, what, what Chris Kleiman was saying last year about Adrian Martinez, like, just throw the ball. Yeah. Like, you see it, throw it, and yeah, the reporter's trying to, you know, Ask that about like we're undefeated, we're blowing teams out. What the hell
1: are you talking about yeah, right now? Yeah, why are you why are you talking to me about this? That's what I would have said. I would have have been horrible, Coach Chip. Horrible. I'd be fired so quick, man, because I don't got time for that stuff. Like you, media people asking those ridiculous questions. Like yeah, man, I, it's, I'm already waking up at four a.m. every morning just to prepare, and we out here. You know, some of these guys ain't focused. They might not want it as me. Yes, I'd snap too. I'd snap once a week. Once a week. That's I'd why be we like, love you, Jay. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't have that stuff, but you hey, know. maybe if I was getting paid in the millions, I'd be a little more calm. If I was getting that Steve Sarkeesian money, I'd probably figure out a way to tone it down and stuff. But the passion would probably take over me. So yeah, James Franklin, he told that dude, but I have I don't know. What's the line in this Ohio State game? It has to be
0: the team that's home, right? Yeah, it has to be. It has to be. Ohio State, real Ohio State. tight. <laughs> Let's see. That's an early game. Hold on. You ready? That's an early. Yeah. Fox. Big noon uh, kickoff, big baby. New wow, yeah. Ohio State, minus four and a half. Yeah, this game oh. kicks at 11. Huh. Ohio State, minus four and a half. Yeah. Oh, no, the horseshoe's
1: always a tough place to play, but it ain't a night game, so that's in Penn State's favor.
0: Um, yeah, Fox is killing teams. You know, some of these games, the fans are like, man, we need this game at night. Yeah. And Fox was like, our window is noon. <laughs> you all are getting kegs and eggs for your biggest game of the year. Mm.
1: I mean, they, both of those teams got another one against uh, that team up north. So I don't know. i don't you know Michigan. they will be watching this one. You can mm-hmm. say Michigan. You can say huh? Michigan. Well, I say Michigan. Yeah, I'm fine saying Michigan. Yeah,
0: yeah. Right. Michigan's playing Michigan State this week. And how about Iowa? Know, oh. Yeah. How about how about Iowa? They're going to win the freaking West. They're going to, they're, and they have no offense, and it is unbelievable. But their defense, like, uh, it's so crazy to me. Kirk Ferentz, he's been there forever. He's the godfather of Iowa football. He's got his son running the offense, and they are, like, they are the definition of unwatchable offensive football. But by God, Iowa keeps winning. They're five and one. Oh, five and one. Let's let's get our man Hummer in here. Hummer. National college football writer. Extraordinaire
4: 24-7 sports. Hummer. How are you doing, man? Doing great, y'all. Appreciate having me on. Sorry I wasn't uh, available yesterday on short notice. But from we'll Iowa offensive football. I know it's what to <laughs> keep the people we'll
0: work around your schedule. Like, we, you know, Texas fans are like, what the hell's going on with Texas in the red zone? What's going on? Can you imagine being an Iowa fan? Same record, though, Chip. Same record. And that's the thing. Kirk Ferentz is like, my son is the offensive coordinator, and we are 5-1, and so y'all just sit down and shut up and enjoy the wins. Or don't enjoy them.
4: I, I really just, all I want is for Iowa to just figure out a way to run the table, go eleven and one, play the Big Ten Championship game, scoring like ten points a game. It would just be it would just be wonderful. It would be the perfect way to say goodbye to the Big Ten West. What a division. Yo, low-key,
1: Chris, Texas fans should be rooting on Iowa because if they could beat one of those three teams in the East, then that'd make life a lot easier, especially if the Longhorns win out from this point.
4: Absolutely, You want, if you're a Texas fan, you want as much chaos as possible. And I can't think of more chaos than the big 10 East winner losing to whoever comes out of the West. That would throw a wrench in the entire discussion. I think it would make us look at the big 10 East as a whole a little differently because they are kind of, kind of beat up on each other after not really playing anybody outside of Ohio state versus Notre Dame in the non-conference schedule. So yeah, I mean, Iowa would throw a gigantic wrench in the national picture. It would be I'm sure a lot of Texas fans would just be sitting back, laughing, watching it happen.
0: Well, Palmer, if we're going to talk Big Ten football,
4: you've been money
0: on every, like every big game, you've nailed it. Now we got Penn State at Ohio State. Ohio
4: State favored by four and a half. What do you think happens in this one? It's funny. I think, um, I was actually writing about this game earlier today, it'll come out later this week. And I think this game is really interesting because I think it illustrates the difference between great programs and elite programs in college football better than any other rivalry or any other game. I think it was back in 2018, um, Penn State lost to Ohio State by a single point. Penn State was up by like 14 with like 12 minutes to go, Ohio State stormed back to win that game. And afterward, James Franklin said, I'm tired of being great. This will be the last time our program is great. We want to be elite. And in the time since, Penn State's lost every single game to Ohio State by an average of, I believe, nine points a game. It's always close, but Penn State never figures out a way to get over that hump. And I think it's largely because of the talent gap between the two programs. Ohio State is a perennial top five team on the recruiting trail. Penn State's a perennial top 15 team. So I can't help but think of that game, this game this weekend in that light. And I will say Penn State has closed the gap a little bit. They have Drew Aller, five-star quarterback on the roster, number one quarterback in the 2022 class. Mm-hmm. Ohio native Drew Aller, they beat Ohio State for him in the 2022 cycle. They have, frankly, the better defensive line this year. You haven't been able to say that between Penn State and Ohio State in a long time. But Penn State's defensive line leads the nation in pressure rate. They get after the passer, I think they create pressure more than 50% of the time. They have some of the best cornerbacks in college football. So. This sets up for me to say like, Penn State's gonna upset Ohio State, but I, I just can't get there because Penn State's offensive line is that big of an issue. Um, we think of Penn State, we think of great running backs. You think of somebody like Saquon Barkley creating plays. You think of somebody like Nick Singleton on the roster right now being one of the best running backs in college football. But they're largely having to do that on their own. Penn State has a middling offensive line and you can't have that against Ohio State. So given all that, I like Ohio State in this game. I think it's gonna be close yet again, but that talent edge, y'all, the talent edge matters, and I think Ohio State pulls it out for that reason.
0: And Ryan Day still wants to beat the crap out of Lou Holtz.
4: Go ahead. Uh, He could take a swing at James Franklin. I feel like that would be a slightly different uh, conversation. Uh, I think my money would probably be on uh, James Franklin over there, but um, given James Franklin's record in big games, he might miss a couple of those swings, so maybe Ryan Day has a chance. People criticize Ryan Day a lot, but James Franklin, I don't think I think he's like one in 10 in his Penn state career against top 10 teams in regular season play. It's, it's not great. His biggest win was that I think 2016 Ohio state uh, one point victory. Um, Other than that, like it's been a rough go of James Franklin and really big opportunities for him. So maybe this is the year, but uh, I get the feeling Ryan day gets to stay angry and stay happy at the same time.
1: Yeah, yeah, Chris, just to piggyback on what you said about James Franklin, because I didn't know that stat. Like, that's pretty wild to me, because he's been there for a long time. And you would think those Penn State fans would start to get a little restless with that. But I don't know. Maybe just because Michigan and Ohio State have always been so good, it's like, okay, we understand. Look at the NFL players that they keep putting out and stuff. Like, you're fine, James. But I don't know. Can he keep this up? Like, he's going to have to start winning some of these big games sooner or later, and that's his job.
4: I I do agree, Zay, like 100%. I I think some of it requires like the context of what Penn State was when he got there. Um, Obviously, Bill O'Brien helped the transition um, for Joe Paterno to James Franklin. There was somebody in the middle of that who had to deal with a lot more of what was going on in that program. But Penn State wasn't really Penn State when James Franklin got there. Like He built that program back up. He made them maybe not a new a annual college football playoff contender, but a very good program. Won a Rose Bowl, won a Big Ten title. Um, but as you said, like he's fallen short. I, I found the stat. Um, I was a little off. It's not one in ten. He's three and fifteen against top ten opponents, and only two and fifteen in regular season play. They did beat Utah, I think, two years ago in the Rose Bowl against the top ten team, but. James Franklin hasn't found a way to win those big games. I think he's beat Michigan three times out of six. He's just won and eight against Ohio State, so he hasn't figured out a way to get over that hump. And while he's been very good as a head coach, and he's in no danger of losing his job, I think Penn State will keep him as long as they can. In order for Penn State to make that jump and to be considered an elite college football program, they're going to have to start winning these games. Yeah, Penn State. Here's... Uh... Here's James Franklin's
0: record at Penn State the last however many years uh, 11 and 2, 7 and 6. Yeah, the, he was 4 and 5 in the COVID year, 11 and 2, 9 and 4, 11 and 2, 11 and 3. I mean, he's Mac Brown, is who he is. <clears throat>
4: but, Matt, I mean, Mac eventually, like, Mac didn't break through very often, you know what I mean? Like, he has two Big Twelve championships on his resume. But those two Big Twelve championships came with two trips to the national championship game. And it only takes one. Mac Brown will always be considered one of the greatest college football coaches of all time. That's right. And if James Franklin makes that breakthrough at one point, gets through his Big Ten East rivals, like, we'll talk about him in a much different light. But it is, as Chip said, like, he is Mac Brown before 2005 right now.
0: Yeah.
4: Mac Brown with a better tan. and he's got that I don't know you know Sally's got Mac doing the spray tans at some point right (laughs) speaking
0: of well so okay we got Penn State Ohio State we've got we've got the ACC Duke is at Florida State but your guy Riley Leonard Hummer he he was on his way to having this, you know, Heisman type year, and now he's trying to get healthy. Does Duke have any
4: chance in this game if he's not one hundred percent? I think even a seventy percent Riley Leonard would give Duke a better chance than uh, not playing Riley Leonard. Um, and I think it'll be a game time decision with him. I think I've heard he's making a lot of progress, but. I would say he's far from a guarantee to play this week. And I think Mike Elko is uh, playing a bit of uh, media games with Mike Norvell right now with the way he's talking about Riley Leonard and his recovery. So I think that's very much up in the air. I could not personally pick a Duke upset in this game without Riley Leonard. Um, I think the Duke offense is so Riley Leonard reliant, both on his ability as a passer and a runner. I think people forget last year, Riley Leonard led all FBS quarterbacks and rushing yards. Like he really presents something different for a defense. And while I think of kind of like the top five or six teams in college football, Florida State's probably the most vulnerable. I think they lack some of the top end stars, some of the elite offensive line play you need to win a national championship. Although I still think they could very well make the college football playoff. And I'll stick with my Jordan Travis Heisman pick, even if Michael Penix is making me look crazy uh, right now with as well as he's playing. So I think Florida State is a bit vulnerable. I just think without Riley Leonard or without Riley Leonard at 100%, I have a hard time seeing Duke winning this game. I think the spread sport team, I would still take Duke to cover. I'd like Duke in this game. I think Mike Elko coming off a of bye is going to have a lot of different looks for this Florida State offense, but it, it is certainly a tall task without Riley Leonard healthy.
1: Yeah. Hummer, last Saturday, what did you notice in the Aggies going up to Knoxville and losing to those Tennessee volunteers? And now you got. That gas problem or rumor going around that these guys are gassy and something like that because they switch from protein to grain. I don't know. It just sounds like some Aggie BS to me. Where are you on Texas a and and Jimbo and those boys?
4: What What is this gas rumor? I'm sorry, I'm not. Oh, it. oh man, you're gonna have to look it up. So apparently
1: they're having. Which this is speculation. Who knows? But. They're My
0: Hilton, is all over this.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, we got multiple guys talking about BK and Trey were talking about it before we came off. But, yeah, they're having, like, unusual gas problems that might lead to fatigue, and it's because they've switched from protein to grain in their team's diet. And again, speculation, so you can look it up when you get up on the show with us. But yeah, any any type of excuse they're going to throw, you know they'll throw it. But in that Tennessee game, what'd you see?
4: Well, I will say, I, I don't know about gas, but I think oil is going to become a very big part of this conversation because the seat is very, very hot for Jimbo Fisher right now. And I mean, Texas has all the money. It's not in the Vatican, but um and has a lot of oil money down there and that conversation is going to start starting up pretty soon if Jimbo Fisher doesn't turn this around. Um, but right now, I mean, the hire of Bobby Petrino is not really working out the way Texas A&M would have wanted. I think not all of that's on Bobby Petrino. It's really unfortunate that Connor Wagman got hurt. Um, I think people forget, early in the season, Connor Wagman was playing like one of the best passers in college football, full stop. He really transforms that offense. And Max Johnson particularly has some limit. Some limitations, especially moving in and out of the pocket that Connor Wagman did not have. This Texas A&M offensive line is really young, and I think it's starting to um, really wear on them as the season goes along. And Max Johnson's really under pressure, and he doesn't move well enough under pressure to kind of alleviate some of that. And we saw him, what, throw two picks on Saturday against Tennessee. Um, Joe Milton was awful, but Max Johnson was worse. And that AM defense is playing like a national championship defense. It really is. That front seven is living up to all the billing we saw on the recruiting trail. But that AM offense, which has been Jimbo Fisher's baby since he got there, and also except for that one year with Kellen Mond, Jimbo Fisher's bugaboo is letting him down again. That's the thing. I swear
0: Jimbo went in after the Miami game and told Durkin, I'm going to fire you if you don't get this defense to play up to its talent. And he's done it. 100%. And now the co- the quarterback situation. And that's the thing about, like, Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley always had two airplanes on the runway so that if one went down, he always had someone ready to come in, Caleb Williams. Um, and Jimbo, I don't know what's going on. They had Calzone or whatever the guy, Calzada, who – Beat Alabama and he's gone. Haynes King's throwing touchdowns for Georgia Tech against the Miami Hurricanes. I don't know what's going on. All right. So
4: Hummer, who's the best team in the in the country? I think it's Michigan. Um, I think we've talked about this before. I mean, Michigan's just beating the I shouldn't curse on the radio. Oh you curse. We're on the You're good. Michigan's beating the shit out of opponents. Sorry, people <laughs> listening in their cars with kids. Um <laughs> you can blame okay. that one on Zay. Um, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Michigan, I, this is still my favorite stat of the year. Michigan has not allowed a single like possession. In the it, Michigan's defense has not allowed a single goal-to-go possession the entire season. So Michigan's defense has not seen somebody reach the 10-yard line on a drive this entire season. Obviously, there have been chunk plays that have resulted in touchdowns. That are longer, but nobody is sustaining drives in Michigan and they're just killing people. Um, we don't talk about JJ McCarthy for Heisman because he hasn't played anybody, but right. he's playing out of his mind, at least in terms of efficiency. Michigan has one of the best offensive lines in college football, one of the best running back rooms in college football. Roman Wilson looks like a real number one receiver. They've got everything. And until I see otherwise, I really do think Michigan's the best team in college football.
0: Yeah, Zay and I were talking about this. Some you know, other teams like Texas had its big showcase games early in the season Alabama OU now Texas doesn't play anybody they got to win win convincingly and hope they get to the big 12 title game and hope that OU stays undefeated and that game is hugely important a top five showdown we don't know we'll see a lot of football left but other teams the big 10s getting ready to play their showcase games Oregon and Washington what did you get out of that game, Hummer? Because I thought Dan Lanning, he gambles too much for me. Like kick the field goal before halftime. You're on the road, take the points. He chased points, and it cost him.
3: Well,
4: I, I do agree with you at the half. At the half, like I really think they should have taken the points there. I think there were a lot of decisions like that for Dan Lanning, and I'm not going to fault him for any of them except for that halftime play. I think being aggressive in those situations makes sense. And I think when he went for it in the fourth quarter, it was in part so he had control of the game, if that makes sense. He knew he would get a look and have enough time to dictate the flow of the game to know what he needed when they ultimately got the ball back, because they were going to get the ball back with the amount of time left and the amount of timeouts they had. So that, from a game flow perspective, that made sense for me. But I think, especially at halftime right there, you have to take the points in a game like this. Those points are too valuable. And I know he probably thought he needed to run up the score to beat Washington because of how well they moved the football, but on the road, I do agree, you take the points. But ultimately, like my takeaway from this game is both those teams are really freaking good. That was a college football playoff-worthy matchup of what I think are the two best teams in the Pac-12 without much question. I would not—they play the Pac-12 championship game in Vegas now. I'm sorry, I'm getting confused. I would not be surprised to see them both in Vegas again in um, early December. I think the real question for those programs is, can they hold on? Can Oregon get through a schedule that I believe still includes what? They have USC, Washington State, Utah, Oregon State left on the schedule. That is a gauntlet. And Washington has several big-time opponents to get through, too. So maybe this is finally a year um, where the Pac-12 can send somebody to do the college football playoff. They just need those two teams to hang on until December.
1: Yeah, so where, how shocked were you when USC lost to Notre Dame on Saturday? Because say what you want about Alex Grinch, when your quarterback throws three interceptions in the first half, it's kind of hard to win some games there.
4: I wasn't shocked. I picked, I picked Notre Dame to win the game, so I'm not surprised that happened. I was shocked to see the way Caleb Williams played. As you said, Zay, like, you do not expect your Heisman Trophy-winning quarterback to throw three first-half interceptions and put you in a hole. And some of those interceptions were bad. Like, those are interceptions you would expect your true freshman starter playing on the road to make for the first time. Not somebody like Caleb Williams um, going up against Notre Dame on the biggest possible stage where you expect him to step up. So that's where I was surprised. And, I mean, I don't know what it is. I think I actually do know what it is. It's the defensive line. Notre Dame got pressure after pressure on Caleb Williams. And I think that offense for USC is just a little out of sync right now. They're not blocking well enough. Caleb Williams looks like he feels like he has to be Superman on every play. He just, part of what makes him brilliant is he can wait and he can wait and he can wait and he can make something happen with his feet and ultimately let the ball go late with his arm. But when Notre Dame's getting pressure the way they did on Saturday, and this is really the first good to decent defense that USC has faced all year, USC's offense looks a lot different than we've seen in years past. And I think it just showed that USC's not really a playoff-worthy team this season.
0: All right, Hummer. Texas Longhorns, bigger concern going into the second half of the season, offense or defense?
4: Um, I don't – I guess if I have to pick one, I'd probably – say offense. I personally really think the defense is playing well. Obviously, Dylan Gabriel made a lot of excellent plays that made Texas look bad in some cases, but I think Dylan Gabriel played one of the games of his life. And if it wasn't for Dylan Gabriel's ability to make things happen with his feet, um, I don't think Oklahoma wins that football game. And perhaps that's something to be concerned with the rest of the way, but Texas isn't going to face another quarterback like that the rest of the year. I mean, Some of the scariest teams left on Texas' schedule don't even have their starting quarterback at this point. Um, So from that perspective, I think I would have to go offense just because we haven't seen Quinn Ewers string together um, consistent starts over and over and over again in his career. Obviously, you have to really appreciate the way he came back in the second half against Oklahoma, set the school record for um, consecutive completions, really responded well. Um, but when you add Quinn Ewers as somewhat inconsistent play at times to maybe some concerns with the offensive line in terms of injuries, I, I think I lean the offense right now, despite that kind of being the strength of the—I I don't know. I think both sides of the football are really good for Texas. I'm not too concerned either way with that schedule, but I, I would lean offense. Yeah.
1: Chris, I don't think there's going to be many more rappers and celebrities hanging out with Deion Sanders after that just embarrassing loss last Friday night against Stanford. You're up 29 points. and You end up losing that game. But this is what we expected from Deion's team before the season. Like they've already overachieved and now they are what we thought they were. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, um, I've always thought it was a, it was just a little bit of Louie on top of the luggage stack and then a lot of uh, just knockoff stuff underneath. And we saw a lot of that on Saturday. And it's not going to, like Colorado kind of is what it is. It's a very good offense that lacks some of the pieces to be consistent on that side of the ball because the offensive line, frankly, isn't good. And their receivers get so gassed because they have to play so many snaps that you're going to see some regression late in games and late in the season. And the defense is terrible because the defense was terrible last year. They added a couple good pieces, but when you're asking Travis Hunter to play 150 snaps and shadow Stanford's best wide receiver in the second half, 120 snaps in the game, like it's not always going to work out because the kid's tired. So I don't know. I still, I would, what is Colorado? Colorado's four and three, right? Um, I still think Colorado can make a bowl. I would be, they've got UCLA, Oregon state, Arizona, Washington state, Utah. I don't think they're going to make a bowl. I think they probably finished five and seven, but they could still make a bowl. And that's beyond any expectation I have this year for the Buffaloes. So they are kind of who we thought they were, but they are a lot. Better than I think a lot of us thought they were. I would have I would have taken the under them than this year. So you have to give Deion Sanders some
1: credit. Yo, Hummer, they could easily if what I saw Friday, they could easily lose the next five straight. Cause Arizona, I didn't expect them to beat the hell out of Washington State like they did. So now they're good all of a sudden. Like the Pac twelve in this last few on his last leg is looking great. It's crazy what's going on.
4: There's a world, like, honestly, if you think about Arizona's season, they lost in overtime to Mississippi State in a game they should have won. They blew that game late. They lost to Washington by a single possession. And then they lost to USC in triple overtime. There's a world, like an alternate world out there, where we're talking about an undefeated Arizona Wildcats as a top 10 team. And they would be deservedly so. That is a really good Arizona team. You're absolutely right. All right, Hummer. The Big 12. No
0: one can... Identify the third best team in the Big 12,
4: who do you think it is? <laughs> <laughs> um, I wish I had a great answer for you there. Um, I probably, I, I don't know. I still think it's probably one of the two teams in Kansas. Um, assuming a healthy Jalen Daniels for um, the Jayhawks and assuming Walker Howard um, doesn't play like he did on Saturday and um, that loss. So or I'm sorry, two weeks ago in that lost Oklahoma state, Avery Johnson saved them um, this past week, but I still think those are probably two, still the second best and or the third best and fourth best teams. Um, I think TCU, if John Hoover keeps playing like this might enter that discussion. I still think TCU is pretty good, even though the results have been uneven, but um it's not a. It's just not a good conference behind Texas and Oklahoma. Those are the facts, and I, I would be shocked if it's anybody but Texas and Oklahoma um, and Arlington in a couple of or in a couple of weeks. Yeah,
3: yeah,
0: because everyone's trying to find out like what's the toughest remaining game on Texas's schedule. They've got Case State at home. They got TCU and Iowa State on the road. I mean, Zay and I were talking about it. This is probably Texas's easiest game coming up against Houston left on the
4: schedule. Yeah, BYU. I think. Yeah, I think Houston and BYU um, are definitely the two easiest teams left on the schedule. But, but BYU in Provo is a different team. And that's,
0: it's like OU has to go to Provo. And I'm like, we'll see. We'll see what
4: BYU has. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I don't. I don't know if Taysom Hill is coming out there for BYU this no. year. Um, Manny Diaz is Manny Diaz is rejoicing all the way there in state college. But um, yeah, I mean, um, it's just it's not a very good league right now, to be honest. Um, and that doesn't help Texas.
3: No, uh,
4: Texas. But you know what does help Texas? They have the best non-conference win of any team in college football, um, as long as Alabama keeps winning. Yes. Texas can't afford to drop another game, but I think if right. Texas goes 12 and 1 and beats Oklahoma in the Big 12 Championship game, they're making the playoff without much question. Yeah. Yeah. That's big time. All right. Clemson at
0: Miami. Mario Cristobal, what an idiot. But I mean, is this just a pillow fight that doesn't matter in the ACC when you look at Florida State, or is
4: this game relevant. I think it's relevant um, for a couple of reasons. Um first like Miami's in the danger zone. Like this is I still think like this is a much better Miami team than we've seen in years past. They played they played North Carolina really well um on Saturday night. The difference was Tyler Van Dyke, I think turned the ball over four times if I remember correctly and Drake May oh. did not turn the ball over at all. Um, and that made the difference in that game. But I still think this is a really good Miami team, but if you lose three straight, like you lose a ton of momentum. Um, Miami's already lost some momentum on the NIL front that they had early. Life wallet stock market is in the tank. Um, Miami needs to get cachet uh, through wins and losses to continue recruiting the way they have. And if you drop a third straight conference game, and you start to lose that momentum, it has a huge effect on your ability to move forward with Mario Cristobal. And you could say the same thing about Clemson. I can't think of the last time Clemson would have lost three games before November. You would probably have to go back to like 2013 or 2014 to find that. And I think this game would say a lot about Clemson's future as well. Uh, we released our um, true freshman midseason All-American team, which I know sounds ridiculous, but it's just a good way to highlight the true freshman across the country, and Clemson had three players on that list. This is still a really talented football team with a lot of young talent, but if we want to have any kind of thought that the Clemson dynasty is still alive, you can't lose games like this to Miami. You can't lose to the three best teams in your schedule before November. And so from that perspective, I do think this matters, maybe not for 2023 ACC supremacy, but for the way we think about those teams in that conference moving forward. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Hummer. If that money is shrinking up down there in Miami, you can't be broke rolling the South Beach trying to pick up the honeys. It just don't add up. It just don't add up, man.
4: I I will I will never get to experience that. I do not. I'm a journalist. (laughs) I'm not going to make that kind of money. But I can only imagine how much money you need to make it work on South Beach, man. Can only imagine. Oh
1: yeah, you and I both, my guy. Hey, you know Alabama. They got a scare last week against Arkansas. They were up by 18, and those guys came all the way back, but they found a way to win, and they got Tennessee coming into town. And We just talked about Tennessee beating those Aggies, and Joe Milton, he doesn't look too
4: good right now. How do you feel about that game? I think Alabama is just the better team. Um, I, it, I think it rarely, if ever, happens where Nick Saban loses to the same team twice in a row, and Alabama lost this Tennessee team last year, really ruined ten, or Alabama's season. Um, so I, I like Alabama to bounce back here. I think Alabama's defense is playing as well as any in the country right now, um, particularly um, their edge rushers, like guys like um, Dallas Turner really getting after it. They have an excellent secondary. Caleb Downs, their true freshman safety, is one of the best safeties in the country already after like seven games. They're playing really well. And I... I frankly don't trust Joe Milton. Um, I have never quite understood the Joe Milton hype. Um, he is somebody who's been benched twice in his career, and he just throws a really inconsistent football. Mostly, be, maybe not inconsistent, he throws a really consistent football. He's got one speed, and it's 100 miles an hour, and it affects his accuracy. And he didn't play well against AM because AM heated him up up front. They were, that defensive line from AM was cooking. I expect Alabama's defensive line to cook. And while I expect this to be close because Alabama lacks the quarterback to really separate in this game, and Jalen Milrow, I do think Alabama finds a way to win this game. And uh, I don't know, I don't know about cover, but I, I certainly think they win comfortably. South Carolina over Missouri this week? I can't do it. Uh, South Carolina has the worst pass defense in the SEC. South Carolina arguably has the worst offensive line in the SEC. South Carolina is just much different at home than it is on the road. I think Spencer Rattler's completing 85% of his passes at home this year and like 56% of them on the road. Um, This is a really tough matchup for South Carolina. I think Shane Beamer is building South Carolina up the right way despite the results of this season. This is just a really young South Carolina team that had some bad breaks in the off season with losses via the transfer portal and injuries. And Missouri is just going right right now. I I would definitely pick the Tigers.
0: I don't I don't get the Sam Pittman, you know, is on the hot seat talk at Arkansas. I mean, that guy is so perfect for that place. And it's like if he has an off year, okay. you know, I mean, like he's he's built some goodwill. Some of this talk about coaches is ridiculous. But your thoughts.
4: I don't think Sam Pittman's really on the hot seat. I think that's just fan angst. And it's, I mean, it's understandable. Like Arkansas has lost five straight games by a single possession. Like you would like, I don't know what Sam Pittman makes, but I think he's well over $5 million. You would like your multi million a year head coach to figure out a way to get Arkansas to win some of these games. But when you consider the context of it, Arkansas is super banged up in the secondary. I think three of their four season opening starters are out. Um, Arkansas's best player, which is a freshman tight end on offense besides KJ Jefferson is out with a season ending injury. Arkansas got killed in the transfer portal um, because of like, frankly, some NIL um, shortcomings compared to other teams in the league. Like Sam Pippen's still doing a really good job. Um, I just think Arkansas is a really tough place to win consistently. Um, every SEC program has outsized expectations and Arkansas is no different. But if, Arkansas finishes the year at 5-7 and or 6-6, and which is very possible given what's left on the schedule. I think Sam Pittman's going to be totally fine. I think he's done a good job, and this is a really young team. You might lose K.J. Jefferson, but I think Arkansas and uh, Sam Pittman will move on together at least through 2024.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, and Mark Stoops says, you know, if you want better players, give us more money. You want players the way Georgia's buying players, then give us some more money. That's what I'm talking
1: about, Mark. F. John Calipari. He's already won a championship. It's his turn. Mark My Stoops.
4: favorite rivalry on Kentucky's campus is Mark Stoops versus John Calipari. They don't get along well at all. <laughs>
0: <No>. <laughs> Has Calipari ever gotten along with a football coach?
4: <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I don't. What was he at UMass? Was that his first big job? Yeah, I don't know. I don't that know. That was a
1: big one, and went yeah, off and like,
0: no. coached in the NBA. And, yeah. My favorite quote was when Calipari was at Memphis and Texas and Memphis were down at the regional in Houston together and they were both recruiting Tyreek Evans and Calipari goes oh we're not, we're not losing Tyreek Evans to, no he, he couldn't say the name so he said we're not losing a recruit to Texas
4: <laughs> Gosh. oh Calipari he is smuggalicious he is, the, uh, he is the mob boss of college basketball, if there's ever been one. God, tight soups. Well, it helps to have Worldwide West in your back pocket, right? Never hurts. Right.
0: Hummer, we've kept you too long, but we love it so much. Appreciate it. My man. Any other things at the top
4: of your notebook? Anything you want to plug? Uh, nice. check, check out 247sports.com as always. We got as you know chip we got football covered 365 days a year uh we're in the mid-season transfer portal season is going to start heating up here soon uh it's going to get Uh-oh. busy that's right that's right
1: a lot of unhappy man? guys gonna jump in Hummer, it's that time i ain't getting that playing time i deserve i'm better than him why ain't i playing okay i'm gone it's that time
4: exactly also i mean i don't know about georgia i don't think georgia needs to um but there are definitely some schools that will uh Throw some dollar signs at these guys. Like, there's going to be a lot of movement here in a couple weeks, or in a couple—I guess—in a couple months. Does Texas score 50 Saturday against Houston? I—I I think they got a shot, uh, given that Houston defense right now. I think they got a shot. If West Virginia is going to put up mid 30s with their quarterback situation, I think Texas definitely has a shot to hit 50. And as ugly as that environment's going to be on Saturday, I—I. Um, I, don't expect the Texas coaches to kind of let the foot off the gas. Yeah. yeah. Hummer, you're the best. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks, Hummer. Appreciate you, man.
0: Yeah. That's got to be one of the best college football segments anywhere. Yeah, that's good stuff. Every week with our man Hummer. Just, I'm just saying. Hey, and listen, if you missed the big announcement at 9 o'clock this morning, Check out our brand new merch store. Our brand new merch store. You know what I mean, Zay? Yep. Last Stand hats. Last Stand hats, man. If
1: you want that Texas sports unfiltered merch, go to Last Stand hats and get you some hats. I think they got the polos and stuff. We out here clean, y'all. I still gotta see my guy Brad Kellner gobble, they got a couple shirts holding for me, so when I see those guys, I'll get them so I can rock them during the show, but yeah, beautiful stuff that Last Stand Hats always has, and now Texas Sports Unfiltered Team is a part of it, so go check that out, y'all.
0: Check it out. Yeah, man. Alright, um, Zay, I, I will say that my take on Dylan Mitchell was the chip shot, so let's get to it. With my man Zay Collier. It's time for the right call by my man Zay Collier. Yeah, man. For the right
1: call, gotta get to Covert B Cave. We had Hummer on, John Brown. We've been going all over the place today. It's been a great day here on Chippin's Day on Texas Sports Unfiltered. And Covert B Cave is the auto group that holds us. Down over a hundred years in the greater Austin area, hooking up just the great Austin Knights with just absolutely beautiful cars from just multiple dealerships around the area. And Cover B Cave, they are holding it down. So, check them out. We got seven beautiful brands GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Buick, Ram, and Jeep. You will get the hookup At cave, Go to CovertBeeCave.com for all the latest specials and inventory. Nobody beats a covert deal. Not now, not ever. All right, Shep. So we talked about South Carolina briefly with Chris Hummer and the Cox story, huh? Yes. The The Cox. Yes, exactly. Which one of my favorite movies, The Program, that was based in. South Carolina, at their stadium. You go back and watch that, which just shows how bad the movie is. Go back where they do the B-roll of the fans and stuff and pause it, and you'll just see nothing but South Carolina Gamecock gear. It's pretty bootleg for the movie, but whatever. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah, yeah, that's my joint. But Shane Beamer, the head coach for South Carolina, you might see him in the boot on the sideline because this dude broke his foot kicking a Gatorade jug because he was full of anger due to their last loss. And athletic director's cool about it. He laughed when Shane Beamer told him what happened, whatever. But coming from a coach's son, this might be one of the worst looks you could have as a coach. Like, I get it. We're animated. We're intense. That's the game. You got to be a good motivational speaker. You got to be a good X's and O's guy. You got to be able to handle personalities. There's a lot that goes into being a great head coach, especially on this level. But Shane Beamer, the fact that you got so upset where you kick a jug and break your foot nah, man, that's a red flag. Like if I'm getting recruited by South Carolina, that's going into account. I'm taking that to account. Like, I gotta, I gotta see, I I gotta, why, why? (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but that's just one of the most bogus, ridiculous things I've ever heard. And, yo, Tom Herman, former Texas basketball coach, I know guys that were a part of that Little Rock team that he was on before Texas Tech and stuff. And this fool punched one of those um, fire extinguisher, the doors that it, they're in. You know how you it's glass? Um, uh, excuse me, Chris Beard, Chris Beard. I get Chris, Chris Beard. Beard and Tom Herman can, uh, mixed up for obvious reasons. They have a lot in common. But Chris Beer, Chris Beard did that and punched one of the fire extinguishers full of rage and had to get you know a cast and stuff and i think since it was little rock it didn't get much hype or any hype at all but man shane beamer that's a disgrace man and he tried to cover it up he talked about oh man these guys know how much i love them you know it's been a tough season i want to win so bad and this and that and i get that we all want to win but, like I always say on this show, when you're a head coach, you have to carry yourself a certain way. And to get that pissed off, man, and just do something like that, like, that's Bush League. I'm sorry, Shane Beamer. Like, I don't, you don't get no salute from me on this one. That's absolutely Bush League. Control your anger, have some dignity, take these L's how they are. You heard Chris Hummer on here. You have a young team, so they don't need to see that shit like they don't they don't need to see that you know like it's it's one thing to get pissed off but it's another thing to injure yourself because you're that pissed off and man yeah this is a huge red flag for me it's Shane Beamer he should be ashamed of himself but yo, when he feels that pain from that kick he'll feel that shame <laughs> that shame on <I> mean, <laughs> he'll feel it every time he looks down at that ugly ass boot that he has he'll feel that shame oh yeah Yeah, he's
0: wired, man. He's wired hot. Well, don't get me started about Bob Knight throwing stuff, grabbing. But he won. He won. He won three national titles, so people put up with it. This dude hadn't won anything yet. Or wait. He celebrated last year like he'd won the SEC. What? Because, I don't know. Yeah, he yeah, makes me. I don't know. I, I hear he's a good dude, but he gives me the he gives me the heebie-jeebies. You know? Yeah. If Steve Sarkeesian
1: did that, the uproar that would happen in this area would be ridiculous. Like he's at South Carolina, so it ain't getting that much hype. But yo, man, that's
0: that's one of the most meathead things I've ever heard. Okay, and let me. I'm gonna give a little bit of a disclaimer for Sarkeesian because I know, like, he got vilified for just getting after that ESPN producer in the tunnel before the Alamo. But what was happening was they all thought they were running out, and so the team was pushing from behind, and Sarkeesian was getting pushed forward, and the ESPN producer was like putting his. Fingers in Sarkeesian's chest, like, stop, wait. And Sarkeesian's like, look, dude, like, get your hands off me. My team's ready to get on the field. <laughs> are you justifying this for Sark? What are you doing? <laughs> He's getting pushed from behind. He's got a dude pushing him in the chest. And apparently they were supposed to be headed out to the field. And ESPN was like, no, we're not ready yet. And Sarkeesian's like, dude. We need to go play football. I'm just telling you what happened. Unless if he talks about
1: your mama on a personal level, like says her name, says what she did in 88. That was something very dramatic that traumatized your life as a child. Ain't no way you should be acting like that. I ain't trying to hear that, Chip. I ain't trying to hear that. And that was one of Sark's worst moments ever. Yo, it made people question if he was on that yak again straight up, which is the worst thing you want. It made people question that. Go back on Twitter during that time I saw people saying, yo, is Sark back on it? And I'm like I mean I really hope not with his history and track record like that. That was one of the worst and you lose if you win that game, then hey, cool whatever. Maybe that lit a fire under somebody's ass on the team but you lost, you lost that game and it, that's what we first saw for people who weren't there and it just jumps to the TV in preview of the Alamo Bowl one of the first things that we saw was Steve Sarkeesian being belligerent and just cursing some dude out, getting in his face for what you're telling me, just a little touch in the chest well, his touch. team
0: was pushing Sarkeesian <laughs> So forward. cuss them out! Cuss them out! Turn around! Yo. He's not going to tell his players not to be charged up and ready to go. <laughs> so
1: you, so you jump on old innocent ESPN producer that's trying to do his job that doesn't know you don't. Like that's and this I is can so see old, it both dude. Ways. Yo, man, I, I...
0: can see it both ways on that we one. You got to have some more self-control than that.
1: And again, I think Sark has learned from that. I think L'Oreal looked at that and saw, yo, hey, you represent me too. You don't just... You're not just representing the University of Texas. I'm your wife. You represent me too. If I did that, oh, me and my wife, I'm on the couch for a little bit. I'm on the couch because... I know that's embarrassing for her. And he's probably like, yeah, you're right, babe I, I got to cool it out. Hey, that dude didn't do nothing to me. I was in the moment. I get being in the moment. Shane Beamer, Sark. I get being in the moment. But you got to be able to tone it down a little bit. Just tone it down.
0: I agree with Joe K. Okay. Just yeah. run the team out on the field. See? See? That's what I'm saying, man. do them out. Yeah. Just run out on the field.
1: Yo, you got uh, Dabo. He runs it out.
0: All yeah. that anger and emotion. You would have oh, stuck shit. your fingers in Saban's chest? No way. Oh, I don't know. Damn.
1: So you're saying that Nick would have got different treatment. I don't know. I don't know. But but if Nick Saban would have done it, everybody would have been like, oh, that's just Nick. He wins. That's him. Kind of like Michael Jordan. It's okay that he's an asshole. He wins. Who cares? Who cares if he treats you like absolute dirt and is a rude person and... Hey, it's the Bob Knight
0: theory. Bob yeah. Knight can throw chairs, tell people to F off, tell reporters to F off, tell Connie Chung to F off, grab kids around the neck. But if you win... All right, listen... We're
1: going. Yeah, people on the Coda text line telling me that I gotta come on, Zay. Okay, y'all got too much built up testosterone.
0: I need it. Yeah. What are they saying line. on the Coda text line? The Coda yeah. text line. F one this week, kids. Get the Circuit of the Americas. <laughs> they right.
1: said they Let's stop grabbing in. Sark's man boobs.
0: <laughs> what would he say? What? They Somebody said need to stop grabbing Sark's man boobs. Yeah, stop grabbing Sark's man boobs. I mean. Oh, my gosh. He's doing that. Leave his man boobs alone. All right, it's time to bring on the Fire the Cannon team.
2: <laughs> hey, y'all. Hello. I like this. I like everybody hyped up about it. I got to say, I, I agree that I think that Sark overreacted being in the moment. But I will say, don't ever put your hands on me. I I do not like it when people touch me without permission. I do not want anybody touching me without permission. So I can also appreciate like, and I think uh, for the lip readers in the room, it was real clear that he was like, don't fucking touch me. Like those are the words that came out of his mouth. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I was laughing about Beamer kicking his (laughs) foot. That That to me is less excusable. I mean, they they were were (laughs) up by 10 with like nine minutes to go. So it is frustrating. And then they have a chance to come back. They need a touchdown. Rattler throws the int, and it's just like at least at least he said that he thought there was more he could have done to help the team win. But yeah, kicking your foot is hilarious. you oh. <laughs> yourself. You're too old for that, ladies. you too old to be doing that. I agree with that. I, I agree with that. I agree when you said like it's kind of a red flag for a recruit or something because um, you it's a huge red flag with if, if you you know guys that like or women. Who break their TVs because their team lost, and then they put it on social media so everyone can see they were so out of control with anger that they broke their own, you know, fifty-inch TV. Like red flag, this 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 person, man or woman, or whatever, is unstable. They're a lunatic.
0: I was ready for Snoop to put Shane Beamer on a reel. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, those Snoop reels are the best. Yeah, they
2: are. They are delightful. Right.
0: Yeah. Listen, we've overstayed our uh, our. Oh no, we're happy to chat. <laughs> yeah. Good all right. job, y'all guys. have a Good show. Appreciate y'all.